0: John chapter 15 I'm glad you chose to be with us today I'm glad you uh, uh, chose to come out uh, on this Sunday morning to be part of New Life Church and uh, thank you for uh, your time the message today that we're gonna be getting into is uh, I think it's very timely for where we're at in this point in history uh, in this point in the church the series we're in is titled Honest Questions That Deserve Honest Answers. The question that we've been finding the answer to over the last few weeks has been, what is the meaning of life? What am I here for? What is my life supposed to be about? What am I, as a follower of Jesus, <clears throat> supposed to be doing? And beyond that, to the very beginning, what are we here for as human beings? What is our purpose? What is the goal of our existence? Now, uh, My contention has been that in order to answer that question, we not only need to know the answer, but we must also have lived the answer. We must also live the answer. If we're going to be effective witnesses for Christ, telling other people about Jesus, telling other people about what this life is all about, what he has for them, then we must live this way. This can't be a Sunday morning attitude. This can't be a this is what my church believes thing. This must be what your life is. If you're going to be an effective witness for Christ, uh, you must live this way. I think sometimes uh, sometimes we share our faith and it's an accident, <laughs> quite honestly, for the way some people live, some Christians. It's it's just because it's it's just something that happens to come up in a conversation. It's not necessarily because of the way you live or because of any outward action that you take to try to reach people, it just comes about by accident. Uh, we are supposed to be intentional. Our walk with Jesus is supposed to be intentional. We are supposed to be doing things in an intentional way, trying our best to mirror Jesus Christ to this world. Now, as we've gone into this, <clears throat> we've taken, it, uh, taken the tack of going into the Gospel of John and looking at the seven I.M.s that Jesus gave to us in this book. So far, we've examined the I.M.s that he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the bread of life, the light of the world. And last week, we talked about Jesus where he says, I am the door. And that one was very difficult to, it was very difficult to, to share uh, because I know that so many people right now are, are at places where you're either waiting to walk through an open door or you're trying to beat down a closed door. And I knew that that message was going to be very timely, yet also very uh, confrontational or conviction, convictional, if that's a good word. And today I think... I believe that this message that we're going to be talking about today is pretty much along the same lines. Today we're going to be looking at in John chapter 15 where Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. The symbolism that Jesus uses in this teaching for this topic is clear and understandable and it's unmistakable. It's loving, yet empathetic. It's compassionate, yet pointed. It's bold, yet humble. It's the greatest offer other than salvation that he offers to those of us who choose to follow him. The offer of being part of a purpose greater than ourselves, of the potential to have an impact beyond our simple existence on this earth. So let's read our text, shall we? If you would stand with me as we read John chapter 15, beginning... (laughs) at verse one, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If I, if I was in the habit of underlining or highlighting, I would highlight that, those two phrases. I am the vine, you are the branches. Because that is incredibly important for us to remember. I'm not going to talk about that right now because we could be talking about that in the message. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Father, as we dig into your word this morning, as we dig into this truth, would you open up not just our minds, Father, is learning about your word, if it's just head knowledge, if it's just something that gets into our minds, then that, that's that's not going to be productive. Father, may we open up our hearts and our spirits to you. And would you speak to us directly the way you want to talk to each and every heart here today? Father, may this have an impact on us. And may it, um, may it put us on the right course and the right path for following you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> now. The reason I said this is very timely, you'll see as we get into the message this morning, this is all about staying connected to Jesus. It has become fashionable. It had become fashionable before COVID, but now during COVID and in the aftermath, we're we're just about in the aftermath of that, hopefully. Uh, One thing has become very, very disturbingly clear. And that disturbingly clear trend in the church in America has been that many, many people don't believe they need this place. I'm not talking about just new life. I'm talking about the church, the local church. We're not talking a universal church. Okay, if you know If you've been here any length of time, you know that I believe both can be true. I believe there is a universal body of Christ. Jesus himself called it the church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He wasn't talking about building the, you know, the the first church of Jerusalem. He was building his church, the body of Christ. But then we also see the local church and the importance of the local church. And all throughout the New Testament, we see churches and the importance of being connected to churches. By the way, um, I feel like an oscillating fan right now. Look around for a minute. Uh, This is pretty cool, isn't it? A lot of people here this morning. Thank you so much for coming out, man. This is awesome. This is good to see Uh, people are coming out of hibernation after COVID. I'm excited. This is very cool. Very cool. Anyway. But it's so vitally important that we understand the purpose of where you're at this morning. This isn't a feel-good place. This isn't a place. This isn't a place to get your uh, your your dose of Christianity for the week. This is a place where we come to worship God, to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to lift each other up. Man, I'll tell you what. Erin leaned over to me this morning during worship. What amazing Jeff. worship team! Great job again. And uh, she said, "I love seeing the other side of the. I love hearing the other side of the auditorium sing." And that's over here. Those, uh, we have a lot of Spanish speakers over here. And uh, it was awesome, it was awesome. Great, great job, great job uh, for leading. And I know that takes a little bit getting used to, but that's who we are. We are a a melting pot in this area. And it's time that we embrace that and really reach out and minister in that uh, that community, in that mentality with that open heart to everybody. But it's so important because right now we're seeing that it's fashionable to just walk away from church. The 18 to 24 year old generation right now, the last survey I saw, I believe it's about 67% are completely, totally disconnected from any kind of a church period. They do it intentionally. Maybe you've had friends, maybe family, maybe you say this I'm I'm more spiritual than I am religious okay be very careful when you say that because when you say I'm very spiritual you better understand what you're talking about and how that's being referred to okay there are people out there that consider themselves spiritual who worship spirits (laughs) who worship Satan who worship other gods other than Jesus Christ the reason we have a church is so that we have a connecting point with the body of Christ, and we'll get into that in a minute. Now, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, he doesn't just give us eternal life. That's the primary focus of his mission. That's the first and greatest pursuit of every individual human being. We've covered that. That is the, that, that's the brass ring that you catch, you know, when you were, if you were a kid... When you rode the merry-go-round, anybody ever catch the brass ring? You ever have brass rings at a merry-go-round when you were a kid? Thank you, Jeremy. There's a, somebody that's under 40. Thank you. Thank, hey, still got it? Yeah, Jeremy still got that. Bra- <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <bro. laughs> Conf- confession, is, confession is good for the soul. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but salvation, eternal life, man, that's the golden ticket right? That is the main purpose of Jesus Christ coming down to earth. But if he wanted you, as, as the old preachers used to say, if he wants you, wanted you to be uh, saved and that's it, then once you accepted him as your savior, you'd have gone right to heaven. He left you here, but he doesn't also, he also doesn't want you to be saved and satisfied, which is where a lot of Christians end themselves and, and, and end up being. They've accepted Christ as your savior. Man, eternal, eternal life is guaranteed now. We believe, uh, we teach here that uh, we have eternal security, that once you accept Christ as your savior, you truly ask him into your heart, take away your sins, give you the gift of eternal life, man, you're saved for eternity. But there is a life to live beyond that decision. And Jesus says that I have a life for you beyond that decision. You aren't saved to simply be satisfied with what God has done for you. You're saved with a greater purpose in mind, a present purpose in mind, a mission to fulfill, a quest to follow, if you will. Stephen Curtis Chapman, I love, way back, he put out a, uh, a, uh, uh, an album called The Great Adventure. One of, it's probably my favorite, one of my favorite Stephen Curtis Chapman's songs of all time. He wrote a song about the walk with Jesus as being a great adventure. And it is, if you look at it that way. Now, part of that purpose is to grow and become stronger in your faith so that you can become stronger in life, that you can become a stronger individual, better able to navigate the difficulties and perils of life and the challenges that we face. I'm going to drop a bombshell on you. Life isn't easy. Life isn't easy. This isn't gumdrops and lollipops and roses and and violets down the lane and skipping hand in hand, me and Jesus, were going down the road, my Lord and I. Right? Man, life is tough. Life can be difficult. Life is filled with pitfalls, it's filled with downturns that challenge even the stoutest of hearts and the strongest of wills. Jesus said in John 10.10 that he not only came to give us life eternal, but to give us more powerful life while we are here on earth. He didn't die just to preserve our life. He died to provide a life of purpose for us if we're willing to follow him. How does he provide that life for you? By giving you the opportunity to be connected to him. Just as we just read in John chapter 10. He provides that life for you by giving you the opportunity of staying connected to him. Now, let me just be clear, very clear. Your purpose has nothing to do with your eternal salvation. Okay? What you do, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, as I said, your eternity is secure. You can't can't earn your way to heaven. You can't buy your way to heaven. You can't serve your way to heaven. But the life that he offers you is a, is, is a way of living that gives value to your life and gives you the opportunity and the privilege of helping to build his kingdom, of helping to, find, help, helping to allow other people who don't know Jesus find what you found. And then to help them grow in their faith and help them to become something more than they could be on their very own. So what does this truth mean for us practically? Because we could talk about theological, theological points and we can dig into the, the depths of scripture and we can analyze it and, and uh, do a deep exegesis on the, on the text. But and that's all great. That's great. Wednesday nights in, in here in our Bible study, we dig deep into the scriptures. But there's, no matter how deep you dig, you must still be able to make it practical. So what is the practical nature of this passage. He offers you a life filled with purpose and fruitfulness, if you'll choose it. He offers you a life that if you will, in all practicality, follow him, he will teach you what he's trying to teach you in this lesson. This morning I want to examine three simple facts about the true vine and what it means for us. The true vine and us, because Jesus said quite simply, point number one, I am the true vine. They didn't just say, I am the vine. He said, I am the true vine. That must mean that there is debate among some, questions among some about what the truth truly is. What the honest truth is, Jesus made no doubt. It's a definitive statement of fact. I am the true vine. He he didn't just say, I am a vine. He didn't just say, I'm a possibility. I'm a potential choice. Here is an option. I am option B. Carol Merrill is standing before doors one, two, and three. Right? You choose the door that you want to walk through. That's not what he's saying. Definitively, positively, Jesus said, I am am the true vine he's not some vine he's the one and only he's the original he's the absolute without a doubt there is no question if you intend to follow jesus christ with your life if you intend to do something beyond yourself and have this life matter for eternity he is the vine he is the true vine he will be your one and only. Jesus is the true vine. Now, what was cool about this was Jesus was teaching to a group of individuals who understood what a vine was. If we look at this, <laughs> we say, well, a vine? What's a vine all about? We could look at it as a tree, right? Because in our, in our world, in our society, it's trees and branches. But in Jesus' time they grew a lot of grapes, grape vines everywhere. And Jesus was saying, I am the vine. I am the vine. I'm the trunk, I'm the root, I'm the source. I'm the core, I'm the source of all you need. What does that mean? As the vine, as the core, as the source, he provides nourishment, he provides stability. He provides connection. He provides life. He provides power. You will not have grapes unless you have the vine. You will not have raisins if you like raisins. You will not have raisins unless you have the vine. You will not have leaves unless you have the vine. You have nothing if you don't have the vine. That's incredibly important because many of us walk around in this life saying and thinking and acting as if, We don't need him. We're not connected. Nowadays we have people trying to navigate this world, this life, this pandemic, this incredible time in history. We have followers of Jesus trying to navigate it, not connected to the vine. Not connected to Jesus Christ. We are being intimidated as Christians and shamed into saying, well, it's all about science. Listen, I believe in science, man. Listen, it's possible to be a follower of Jesus and believe in science. We have people in the medical profession in this church. We have, ner- we have a nurse in this church. We might have more than one nurse. I don't know. Listen, I believe in, in science. I believe in it. I'm held together, <laughs> I'm a science project. No doubt. I believe in it but I believe in it from a different vantage point and a different viewpoint than most of those out there believe in it. They try to, to use science to disprove God. I believe with all my heart that science proves God. I believe because of what the facts of the matter out there right now, I mean, come on. Seriously, seriously, we live in the most beautiful area of the world in the, in, in the months of September, October, and can you believe tomorrow is November? Every day, my, my wife comes out every morning and says, these leaves are leaving stains on my car. Because we have leaves falling, and they're so colorful, and those, those colors bleed into other things. But it's beautiful. Come on, are you really seriously telling me that this came about from some primordial ooze and mud, and it was just an accident, and an accident caused all this to happen? I... <laughs> Sorry, man, I th- I, I'll just be honest with you. I'm not trying to be mean, nasty, ugly, or, or, or put anybody down, but I think that's silly. I think that's a ridiculous way of approaching the truth of science. Someone had to be and has to be pulling the strings, making the calls. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. As much as I believe the moon is in the sky, science, that's astronomy, I believe God hung the moon and the stars. So I don't deny science. That's, see, see, what they want to paint us as is either or. It's not either or. It's both. I believe God used science and math. Tear, tear apart this world, man. Tear apart the, the truth of the way this world is made, and you will see mathematical Prod, you, you'll see. I, I used to be really good at math when I was a kid, and then I hit geometry. And then there are then there are science, there are math classes after that that I can't even pronounce. Right, and the world is all put together. Everything is put together, and it's like a m- big math problem. It's amazing. It's amazing. I just believe that that. It, that proves the complexity of God. And he says to this, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. He says to us, if you think this is something, <laughs> just wait until you see what I've got prepared for you. Because your eye hasn't seen, your ear hasn't heard, you, had, you can't even imagine. On your best and most imaginative day, you cannot imagine what I'm preparing for you in heaven. You don't have a clue. You don't understand. It is going to be the biggest. Sur- you may, some of you may have had a surprise party that you knew was coming, and you figured it out before the surprise. You don't have an opportunity or a chance to figure out this surprise. Jesus is preparing something in heaven, in eternity, for us that we can't imagine. He's the vine. If we disconnect from him, we will fail. If we disconnect from the vine as followers of Jesus Christ, we will fail. You say, well, I'm doing pretty good without him. Okay? You may have success according to the standards of, and the views of the world, and that's the big rub and the misconception. You see, that's where this prosperity gospel, for those of you who who hear people preach prosperity gospel, and you hear those of us that don't agree with that come against it. It's not that I don't want God, I don't I don't think God will bless you. God is God's blessing my family in amazing ways. We are seeing amazing blessings in our home right now. So I don't I, I don't not think God wants to bless you. I think God wants to bless you amazingly. I think God even gives some Christians the ability to make an incredible living with their skills and abilities and talents that he's given to them. The difference is what your purpose is and how you approach it. If you approach that saying, look at what I can do, And look at how much I can provide and look at how successful I can be. Well, man, you're getting your reward now and you're doing that without God. But if you're saying God has given me these great abilities, God has given me these talents, and I don't think it's wrong to say that. God is giving me these amazing talents to use to serve him. To use to make money so that I can fund and support his kingdom work here on earth. Well, man, now you're you're understanding. So that I can make money to provide for my family take care of my family so I can help other people, so that I can help the ministry of my church go forward. Now you're understanding what it means to use your talents connected to God. He says to deny the world equates to success with God. He says to deny ourselves, to deny the world our plans and our success and follow the true path and life that he has for us, that's success in God's economy. You see, success is the denial of our own ways. Success is the the denial of our own desires, giving them up for his, giving them up to follow him. Saying that my goal is to love my family, to love my friends, to provide, to take care of them, all so that I can be a better servant of Jesus Christ. I do what I do. It's it's not that you change what you do. it's It's you change the why. I don't do it just so that I can be lifted up as father of the year or mother of the year. I do it so that I can please Jesus Christ and have his blessing and favor on my life. He is the true vine. The second fact that we see is this. We are the branches. Okay? We are the branches. What does that exclude? The vine. We're not the vine. We are the branches. (laughs) Jesus is saying very simply to us, hey, know your role. Know your place. Understand your part in this matter. Understand where you fit in. I'm the true vine. You are the branches. This is also a definitive statement. There's no question. There's no equivocation. There's no room for debate. Jesus has made it very clear, very distinctive, and very definitive in both of these statements. He's the vine. We are the branches, those are our jobs, those are our classifications, that is how he has defined it. To put it in a few other ways, we are the servant, he is the master. We are the student, he is the teacher. We are the dependent, he is the guardian. We are the follower, he is the leader. Listen, can I just share this with you? If you can't follow, then you'll never be a good leader. Oh, you may be put in a position of leadership. You may have positions of leadership in your life, but you'll never be a good one if you can't follow. If you can't follow someone who has, who has been placed in authority over you, who has the authority over you, see, that's just a picture of your walk with Jesus Christ. He wants you to be able to follow others so that you can follow him. Here are some important facts about life with Jesus that we must accept and admit. When it comes to staying connected to the vine as the branches connected to the vine, we were not created to be self-sufficient. Listen, Christian, you were not created to be self-sufficient. You were not created to be a lone wolf. You were not created to be on your own. Our purpose and our, effect and our effectiveness are found in our connection to him. You weren't created to be self-sufficient. And once you were saved, when he left you here with a mission and with a purpose and with a calling, it wasn't to be the star of the show. It wasn't to be self-sufficient. It was to be effectively connected to him and fruitful in his call. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 says, it is not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy, our adequacy is from God. The reason we have value, the reason we have purpose, the reason we can add to the con- to the conversation, the reason we can add to the ministry, the reason we can do something of value for the kingdom of God is because he's our adequacy. He gives us what we need. He is our all in all. He is our source. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, "...and God is able to make every, glo- every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work." He doesn't say you were created with every every grace. He didn't say, listen, just go to college and now you've got all you need. He said, I can give you everything you need. Not only can I give you, I can overflow you in the graces that you need, in the gifts and talents and abilities that you need, in the compassion. How many of you, I won't ask you to raise your hands, how many of you find it hard to have compassion on people? You you, you find it hard to have compassion on people who do, who do stuff? I don't want to say that this harsh, but who do things that are not, not the most intelligent or efficient way of accomplishing things in life. Okay, thank you, thank you. They do things that are a little bit, they're a little bit not quite right, okay? It's tough sometimes, to have compassion on people that, that dig their own grave and then don't want to see that and then don't want to accept that. But that's exactly what we're called to do. Don't you realize that? We are called to love the unlovely. We're called to help the helpless. We're called to have compassion on those who don't deserve it. Why? Because you didn't deserve it in the first place. Man, you didn't deserve what Jesus did for you. I didn't deserve what Jesus did for me. Seriously. I can look back over my life. Aaron and I have conversations about this. On times we take drives, we have conversations. And I say, you know, I know I'm paying the price now in my life for stupid things I did when I was a kid. Seriously. I've got, a, I've got another big surgery coming up in February and March to replace another hip. Listen, (laughs) this whole thing started by being stupid, all right, by running from God. Try to run from God says, okay, you try to run from me, I'll take your legs. Okay, all right. (laughs) Okay, try to run from me, I'll make you trip, I'll make you pull a muscle around first base and somebody will tag you out. God's not mocked. God's not mocked, man. What you sow, what you plant, that's what you're going to harvest. And God says to us, listen, I have all of this for you. I can give you every grace that you need to be effective, but you've got to stay connected to me. That's your purpose. That's your job. That's what you need to do. You need to stay connected. You need to stay connected. For those of you who train other people on the job, does it frustrate you when they go off script? If, they're, if you get them making a recipe and they decide, yeah, no, I want to put, you know, like powdered bleach in this one instead of salt, right? Listen, just do what you're told. Okay, just, just follow the recipe, just follow the instructions. I told you, listen, we got to clean this way, okay? These are the rooms you have to do. Let's, ju- let's do these. This is what has to be done. And people go off and, no, no, I've got a better way. You don't have a better way, man. This is the way to do it. And I I think Jesus sometimes says, listen, hello. Over here. It's me. You don't have a better way. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. If you stay connected to me, you will be successful. Now, maybe it won't be what you dreamed of when you were a kid. Maybe it won't be your life's goal. But remember what the Bible tells us? our goals are supposed to line up with his, not his with ours. And as you turn your eyes on Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. He goes on. We go on and we say, we look in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Paul here, this is is such a tough one, man. It's it's so vivid. For those of you who study when you dig in to the word and you really study, 2 Corinthians 12 is very difficult. I think it's very difficult sometimes to really get into, really accept what Paul is testifying here. Is we all have a story, don't we? We all have a story, we all have a past. We all have things that we can see that weren't the right things to choose or do when we were younger. And now because of our choices, Maybe we're in a position now where we say, God, I really would not like to be here if it's okay with you. And Paul was there. Listen, I don't know if Paul's thorn in in his flesh was because he was such a horrible person before he met Jesus Christ. I don't know if that was God's judgment on him or not. That's not my place to say. I would never posit that theory. But I do know this. Paul says... I had something in my spirit in physically that uh, that an ailment that was physical on me that was so difficult that it was something that bothered me every day of my life. And I went to God three times and said, God, please. And I don't think this was just Jesus. This was just Paul saying, hey, you know what? If it's convenient for you today. Want to kind of take this away? I think Paul three times got before God, got alone with God and said, God, I need this to change. I need need healing here. I need you to change this for me. I need this gone, God, because I'm struggling with it every day of my life. This is tough. This is difficult, God. Don't you understand what I'm going through? How many of you can say that? How many of you know you're right in the middle of something right now, that you're crying out to God saying, please God, take this away. Please stop this. Enough is enough already. And here in 2 Corinthians 12.9, 9. Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 12.9. Yeah, Paul answers, gives us the answer that Jesus gave to him, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> Sorry, man, that's not the answer I'm looking for. Just not, God. Sorry. That's what you're going to give me? That's that's how you're going to handle this, God? Really? Wait a minute. You're the God of all goodness. You're the God of healing. We, We sing about you on Sunday mornings. I believe you're my healer. I believe this. I believe that. Now listen, I listened to a guy on the internet, and he said, God wants you to be healthy, and God doesn't want you to be sick, and this and that and the other. So God, that's a, well, you need to reassess, God. You need to reassess, and you need to come back to me with a better answer. That's the way some of us treat him, don't we? You know, God, you don't know what you're talking about because I know what's best for me. That's the way some of us treat him. When he tells us, you need to be connected to me. You need to learn from me. You need to, you know, and we're gonna get into this in just a minute. The big surprise here at the end. You know what mean, you know what staying connected to Jesus as a Christian means? Psst, it means being faithful to church. Whoops, I let the cat out of the bag. That wasn't good. He says my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because my power is perfected in your weakness. You need to understand that, Christian. When you are weak, he is strong. When you are low, he is high. When you are at your very most empty, he is overflowing your life with grace. He is overflowing your life with opportunity. When you see a closed door, he just says, turn around, I've got an open door. Nobody can open that one except me, and nobody can close this one except me. Follow me and stay connected to me, because my strength is perfected in your weakness. Paul understood that. He said, therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. I don't have to like it, but I have to accept it. And as I accept it, and as I stay connected to it, and as I go down the road with him, walking his path and not my own, as he leads me beside the still waters, as he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies, he shows me the reason. He explains to me why things had to be this way. And sometimes we don't find the answer. And he says, you will someday. Can't, can't you just get into waiting for that someday? When all will be revealed? <laughs> Not only... Were we not created to be self sufficient? We get our life from the vine. Our very existence is because of Jesus. John 1 3 says, All things were created through him, and apart from him has nothing uh, been created that has been created. Not only do we get our life from the vine, we get our nourishment from the vine. Philippians 4 19, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. We get our power from the vine. 2 Second, uh, Second Timothy 1:7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound judgment. You produce fruit because of the vine. Understand that. It's not you. It's not you. I just do so much. I just do so much. They're privileged to have me. They don't realize the blessing I am in their lives. Someday they will. Someday they'll understand. But for now, I'll just nose to the grindstone, grindstone tarry on, and man, do you not understand? The only reason you can do what you can do is because of him. That's it. So thank, thank your your loving Jesus, that you can get up every morning, breathe breath, and serve him and do what he's called you to do. So, Hey, listen, some people have been called to make worldwide impacts, but not everybody can be Billy Graham. Not everybody can be T.D. Jakes. Not everybody can be Rick Warren. Not everybody can be Luis Palau. But you can be who God has called you to be through his power, through his grace, and by staying connected to him. And by the way, the fruit of the spirit we find in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, patience, kindness, patience, kindness, patience. Oh, the needle got stuck. Sorry goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and and self-control. I love the end of that. If you study that out, the end of that passage says the law is not against such things. What 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 that last phrase means is that there is no limit to how much of this fruit you can produce. There is no limit. There is no cap. When it comes to producing the fruit of the spirit, God says, I haven't put a limit on you. As much as you will follow and serve and as much as you will open yourself up and ready yourself and make yourself available, I will give you the opportunity to produce love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, and self-control. That brings us to the third point. Unless we stay connected to the vine, we are useless to the kingdom of God. That sounds harsh. That truly does. That sounds harsh. But unless we stay connected to the vine, we are useless to the kingdom of God. What did Jesus say? Those vines, those branches that stay connected to the vine, I prune them. I cut away the suckers. I cut away the dead parts so that it will produce more fruit. Because all those things that have to be cut away are just taking nourishment away from the true branch that is connected to the true vine and producing the true good fruit. But he says, if you don't stay connected, you're like a branch that many of you in your yards today have hanging around, right? You got those branches that the storms of the last, last week or so have left behind. Listen, if you leave them, they're not, not going to magically sprout another tree. Right? They're dead. They're not, go, they're not doing anything. Unless you pick them up and move them, chop them up, burn them in your fireplace, whatever it is you choose to do to them, they're not doing anything anymore. They're dead. And that's how Jesus describes us for those of us who don't stay connected to him as followers of his. You're a dead branch just thrown away and worthless. That may sound harsh, but that is truth. In fact, he says, without me, you can do nothing. Doesn't say, without me, you'll be subpar. Without me, you'll you'll be 50-50. No, 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 no. Without me, as a follower of Christ for the kingdom of God, you'll do nothing, nothing of value at all. If a branch stays connected to the vine, it will produce healthy fruit. But if a branch disconnects from the vine, it will wilt and become unfruitful and unprofitable. What does that mean? That means we must be in his word. (laughs) We've got to be in the word of God. We've got to be reading the word of God. Nowadays, if you have a smartphone, you can have the Bible with you all the time. I'm on the sub list at the high school. And listen, I had to sub for Spanish 4 this week. Spanish 4, Elvin. I can't even follow you when you're singing up there right? I'm subbing Spanish four. Now, fortunately, everything's on Google Classroom for them now. And I say, I take the attendance. I say, your assignment's on Google Classroom. If you want to order for Taco Bell, come and talk to me. Other than that, I got no answers for you. And I use that time. It's, I'm privileged to have that time where I can take my computer and my Bible, and I can study while I'm doing something, while I'm filling in as a sub, for the school. I'm doing my best to take advantage of my time to stay connected to the word. If I can't, if, if I'm somewhere else and I can't bring my Bible, I have my phone and I have the Bible app on my phone and I can read it. If I'm driving and I want to listen to the word of God, I'll put it on, uh, connected to the stereo and I'll listen to it. Man, you can stay connected. You can read the word of God now just about anytime, anyplace, anywhere, if you have a smartphone or if you carry a Bible with you. <sighs> We need to understand how vitally important it is for us to stay connected to his word. If you don't listen for, uh, if you don't read his words, you don't know what he's saying. If you don't read his word, you don't know what he's saying. You don't understand how things are going. You won't be able to give answers to people. That's what this whole series is about, right? Being able to give answers. You won't be able to give answers to people if if you don't stay in his word. You must pursue him in prayer. That's staying connected to the vine. Pursue him in prayer. If you don't listen for his voice, you won't hear him. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, fully and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Don't be conformed to this age. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. You know what he's saying there? stop doing it your way. Your way has brought you to where you're at. If that's where you're happy with your walk with Jesus, then you, you know, feel free. You'll stand before him and answer. You're not, I'm not your judge. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you're not going to stand before me and answer for your life. You'll stand before him. So if you're happy where you're at, then, then continue on. But if you're not, he says... (laughs) You've got to present your body, your life, your spirit, your soul, present it as a living sacrifice to me so that I can use you. Here comes the fun part. This This is where the rubber doesn't meet the road much anymore. This is where we disconnect. Because whether you like it or not, whether you want to admit it or not, whether it's in your theological perspective or not, if it's not, by the way, you're absolutely wrong, and we can have that debate. The human connecting point to the vine is the church. The human connecting point to the vine, Jesus Christ, is the church. Well, I just don't agree with you. Okay, well, let me make my case. I think this is going to be up on the screen. Being part of a church isn't a duty or responsibility. It's an opportunity. It's the chance to connect with people who are on the same path as you to minister to the hurting and those in need and to be ministered to when you need a hand to grow with other pilgrims who are making their way through life. Being part of a church is the greatest privilege that a follower of Jesus has because it is where Jesus promised that he would do his greatest work in and through us. That is my statement about being connected to a church. That's why it's so important to be connected to a church. Jesus doesn't promise to bless your ministry on your own. I think parachurch ministries are a very debatable topic. Because I believe the Bible does, the Bible says everything should go through the local church. You realize that Paul, the greatest missionary in the world, was sent out by the church at Jerusalem. Realize all the work that he did, all the churches that he planted. Were done under the authority and the sending power of the Church of Jerusalem. That's why every epistle written by Paul and Peter and John were written to a church, or to a pastor of a church, or to a group of churches. Every one. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is speaking of the church universal, not individual churches. It takes work, commitment, and cooperation for a local church to stay true to God. But he does tell us that he works locally. Think globally, act locally. Hebrews 10, 25, a verse that people just, this was so debated during the pandemic, it just made my mind spin. There were so many weird takes on this, but it's very clear, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Romans 12, four and five, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing. I'm sorry, that's, I, I pasted the wrong one there. Spelled out clearly, plainly, and without a question or doubt that our purpose as followers of Jesus is to serve, minister, and produce fruit in and through a local church. No question about it. I will never apologize for saying that. If that offends you, if you're watching us online, you just happen to stumble across our, our, uh, our, our online service, that's exactly how I feel. I'm very thankful that we have this opportunity for those who can't be with us live for whatever reason, but make no mistake, our purpose here is for people to come together live in church and worship together and encourage each other together. I'm so thankful that we had a group of committed people while, while the the world was shut down that came here faithfully so that we could stay connected in the best way we could, but make no mistake, that's not a substitute for the real, for, for, for what we've been called to do, and that's meet together in church. 2 Corinthians 12, 12 just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body though many are one body so also is Christ. Colossians 1:24 Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you and I am compel- uh, completing in the flesh what is lacking in Christ's affi- uh, afflictions for his body that is the church. Ephesians 2:19 through 22 So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ himself as the cornerstone in him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit Ephesians 4:15 and 16 but speaking the truth in love let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. For him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of, working of each individual part. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, and 26. So that there would be no division in the body. But that the members, so if you've, been read, if you've been hearing me say these verses and quote these verses and say, well, Pastor John, that could be construed as universal church, as the body of Christ, all, you know, we're all supposed to be in this, this global thing and blah, 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 okay. If, if you're going to be contrary and just try to find holes in the arguments, remember, scripture proves scripture. Scripture validates scripture. Scripture works together. You cannot make a point off one scripture. And you can't make a point off blurbs. I know we live in the day and age of the, uh, the soundbite, but the Bible isn't soundbites. The Bible is sound teaching from the word of God, from the, from the mouth of God, from the heart of God. This is, Jesus Christ came to earth. He said, I am the living word of God. Now I've given you the word to live. Look at what he says here. 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 26 so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. See, if you're thinking that this is all global, you're missing the point. Because what Paul is writing to the Corinthian believers here, the Corinthian church is, folks, you've got to care about each other. You've got to be concerned about each other. You've got to reach out. Listen, you could say, well, well, nobody reached out to me. Well... Are you around? Can I just say, can I tell you this, man? There's a lot of people in this community I haven't reached out to. You know why? I don't know them. I'm trying. I'm trying to get to know them. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to meet as many people as possible. That's why my wife and I are are doing what we're doing. I'm uh, working. Listen, you can think it's all about money. You can think about whatever you want. this is all about me trying to do ministry for this church and build this church by working. I I work five days a week at the high school so that I can make connections with people, so I can reach people, so I can try to help bring Jesus to them. I haven't reached everybody. Unless you're connected to the church, it's very hard for us to reach out and connect with you. It's easy to sit back with a slingshot and take shots at the church. What's difficult is for you to reach out when you're in need. What's difficult is for you to stay connected to us. We provided all kinds of opportunities through the pandemic to stay connected. We were online almost every night, right? Almost every night we were putting something out online, trying to stay connected. When we had the outbreak of COVID in the church, we were all all meeting together every night online, trying to stay connected, make sure everybody was okay. But listen, if you're not making an attempt to stay connected with us, don't bag on me because I'm not connected to you. It's not a one-way street. You have got to stay connected to the vine. And staying connected to the vine in this life, physically, personally, actually, and naturally, is staying connected to the church. You've got to stay connected to the church. There's a reason why. It's not not about having fannies in the seat. It's not about numbers. That's not what it's about at all. It's about ministering to people, it's about growing people. I've been praying for this whole time because there are so many churches that have shot in over time. Give me, a, give, me a, give me a few minutes, okay? There's a whole lot of churches that have shut down during COVID, in our area, a whole lot. A whole lot of churches that have closed down. A whole lot of churches that have gone through struggles. I've counseled a lot of those pastors. I've tried to help them through, tried to build them up. I reached out to some of them and they wouldn't reach back because they had just had enough, it was too much. What does that mean when the captain of the ship goes overboard? It means there's a whole lot of people that are not connected anymore. There's a whole lot of people that are out there wandering. What does the Bible tell us about going after the one, leaving the 99 and going after the one? I make unashamedly, without question, without apology, Listen, if you're looking for a church because your church shut down or something's going on in your church, we'd love to have you here at New Life. There's a whole lot of people looking for a church right now. I pray that you, you come here, and if this is where God wants you to make your home, man, come here and make your home. I don't care if you're red, yellow, black, and white. You're precious in His sight. You're welcome here at New Life. Good on you. We got a place for you to serve. We got a place for you to get connected. We got people that just love on you. We'll help you through your struggles will help you through your difficulties. We got people here that just want to serve Jesus by ministering to you. And we got a whole lot of people here that are hurting and struggling and they need your help. See, it, it works both ways. And we're just looking to stay connected. But we can't do that if you don't make that move to stay connected with with him. Back to 1 Corinthians 12, 25 and 26, so that there would be no division in the body, for that the members would have the same, con- but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Man, this was so true this past summer, wasn't it? Whew, I think one of the most touching, one of the most heart-tugging, one of the most personal memorial services, and farewell celebrations I've ever been to was what we gave Vicki Colwell this past summer, our dear sister, who was only here for a few years, but affected so many lives so deeply, especially m- many of you younger families, many of you younger moms. She really, Vicky was like a, a mother to you. She's like a grandmother to so many of you. And I know it's so difficult, so difficult to accept the passing of someone like that who means so much to you, but that's what we're here for. We're here to help you out. And now there may be a gap in your life. There may be a space in your life that needs to be filled. Do you know that God has somebody to fill that space in your life? It may be that now it's your turn to be that mentor. That the lessons that Vicky taught you, the, the impact she had in your life, it's now your responsibility to have that impact in the lives of others. Let me tell you something. You'll never have that impact for Christ unless you stay in church. You'll never have that impact on the lives of others unless you stay connected to the vine. Oh, you may be the the East Coast distributor of life coaching, but you'll never make the impact for Jesus Christ unless you stay connected to him and stay connected to your church. Unapologetically, man, I make that, that, that statement and that plea. Be reconciled to God, be connected with him. Listen folks, this life is a challenge. There's no doubt about it, man. This life is tough, and we have been through it. I've never, uh, I've never seen a town so divided and so angry with each other as East Long Meadow is right now over masks, and just wait, man, because they're taking a vote on Tuesday night probably to get rid of them. Look out, man, it's gonna be warfare in this town. Seriously, it's gonna be ugly. People are just, I mean, they're, you know, I, I, you know they, they said that kids now, 5 to 11, they can get the vaccine is just about approved. And <sighs> stupid me, Melvin, I have an idea. Remember when we were kids? Melvin and I are about the same age. Remember when we were kids, those of you from our generation, you, they marched you down in school to, the, to the, the health office and they gave you shots and we all got shots together? Like, great. and They didn't even give you a lollipop afterwards, man. And I'm like, I'm in that generation where they give you the, they, they had the gun. Oh, that's intimidating. <laughs> Here I'm a kindergartner walking up, and there's this, you know, this mature adult with a gun in their hand. Like what? And of course, always the the knucklehead kid that goes before you is the one that flinches, and it shoots all the way down his arm, and it cuts his arm. Kids are just passing out. I, I put that on the forum. I'm like, man, you know what? It would be great if they just had it at had it the school where all the kids could go. It was like I asked for the resurrection of Osama bin Laden. I'm sorry. People have, people have pediatricians. Okay, just the just suggestion. I just, You know what? I'm just gonna back out now. It's difficult to navigate life right now as a human. But if we will look beyond the clouds and we'll look beyond the fog and we'll listen beyond the noise, we'll hear the voice of our Savior calling the sheep. And he says, I am the gate, I'm the door, and I'm the vine. And if you stay connected to me, yeah, the storm may rage all around you. It may get crazy. It may get out of control but I am your peace I'm your comfort and I am your source and I'll lead you exactly where you need to go and you will be fruitful for me and I will be glorified and, the, and I think the greatest part of that is other people will come to know Jesus because you stayed connected to the vine let's pray father we thank you so much for the privilege of being here I thank you for the indulgence of this crowd this morning Lord Willing to stay a little longer to hear a message. Lord, it's a a very difficult time here uh, in this world. You know that, Father. You know everything that's going on. And it's becoming fashionable to walk away, to make an argument why church isn't important. Lord, you tell us very clearly that we must stay connected to the vine. And may our desire personally in our lives, individually, as married couples, as families, may our desire be to keep ourselves and our homes connected to you. May we run our homes and may we build our marriages on the truths that you provide for us. May we build our lives, those of us who are single, God, may we build our lives on you, on your truths. Father, may we go beyond ourselves and stay connected to you by staying connected to our church. Lord, I pray for those who are looking, those who are watching us, those who will see this throughout the week, will listen to it throughout the week. Those maybe here who are looking, God. Would you give them peace and direction about where you want them to be? If new life is home, then may new life be home. And if somewhere else, God, lead them there. But Father, may we understand the incredible importance of staying connected to you, both in our personal lives and in our ministry lives. As we go from this place, Lord, thank you so much for stopping the rain. Thank you for the beautiful sun out there. (laughs) No, we don't have a lot of days left for pleasant weather. Uh, We do live in New England after all. I pray that we will enjoy it. Pray that you'll keep us safe. And may you take us out of this place as worshipers, as servants. Show us the open doors. Give us the courage and the love to accept the closed doors and may our goal be to stay connected to you. Your name we pray, amen.